Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. White, call the jab steps, comes up shooting top three, bam! Put him in the Hall of Fame! Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. One more, one more y'all want me to prove, man. Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep. Where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Joining me now, Matt Peck. Locked on Bulls podcast. Producing podcasts left and right, even in the offseason. On Twitter, at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. I don't have Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And I love what you guys do with the show. I listen to every episode. You guys are one of the best podcasts, period. Y'all keep going with you do best. I love you guys. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. It's 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 raw. You can just see the vibe. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. Okay, cool. I was hoping it wasn't one of those knucklehead programs. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Maui, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Maui, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com. And tell him Locked On sent you. Uh, Matt, I was not expecting a franchise-changing, historic shooting night from the Bulls against a streaking Pelicans team last night, but that's exactly what they delivered for us. How are you, man? How you doing after that win? Jordan, what's going on, man? What's up, Bulls Nation? That was a pleasant surprise. Um, honestly, I was just really discouraged after after we couldn't even manage to beat the freaking Wizards. Um, let alone the Wizards on a, the second half of a back-to-back after the Bulls had had a day off. Like, I was, like, feeling that was kind of rock-bottomy so far this season. And after that performance, I was not expecting a win against this Pelicans team. Yes, they also were coming into the United Center on the second end of a back-to-back, but one of the hottest teams in the league, they had come in having won their last four. They just wiped the floor with the Rockets the night prior. They had won six of their last eight. You know, Ingram playing like an all-star, Zion playing well, uh, getting great games from their role players like Josh Hart, uh, who had had some big games recently. And you just looking at Zion and, and Ingram and what they can do, and then also Adams in their front court, I thought that the Bulls were going to get bullied all night. And, and like, you know, to a point they did. The Bulls still were giving up a lot of interior scoring last night, but they made up for it with one of the most ridiculous shot-making displays we've ever seen. Not just for the Bulls, but in the NBA. I mean, they say they set a franchise record for made threes in a game with 25, even breaking the record that they set in that four-overtime game against Atlanta last season uh, when Zach went off. And they also, I mean... It blew my mind. I don't know about you, but when I saw that stat that Kobe and Zach were the first pair of NBA teammates in the league's history to each have eight or more made threes in the same game, like, I, I, you know, my immediate thought, I'm pretty sure everybody's immediate thought was, wait, timeout, Steph and Clay have never done that? exactly what I thought. Like, even CJ and Dame, to an extent, both of those guys have dropped eight 
in games before. So I was thinking of them as well. But you're right. I was like, wait, Clay and Steph never did that before. It's like one guy must have been hot one night and they kind of just let him ride. But man, I said it that I thought Orlando this weekend, this past weekend was going to be a Kobe Wright. Kobe White get right game I was a little little early on that but he had a hell of a game and so did Zach once again coming out and in putting their foot down and actually keeping their foots on the Pelicans next the entire game good for Zach for coming out I mean dude 27 points in the first half Lonzo I know had 19 for the Pelicans that was certainly good to see but I mean Kobe and Zach combined for over 40 points in the first half is insane yeah, and I, what I really liked the most was the Bulls' response coming out of halftime uh, because they they didn't have a great second quarter after that 44-point burst in the first quarter, which, by the way, uh, the second highest ever first quarter scoring total for the Bulls in franchise history. Uh, they're 44 out of the gate last night. But then they gave up 40 to the Pelicans in the second quarter, and, and the Bulls you know, only managed 22. And so despite their ridiculously hot shooting, they actually came into halftime down by eight. You know, they, It was, what, 74 to 66, I believe. So uh, you, you were thinking, how, how the hell are the Bulls trailing in this game despite these ridiculous shooting numbers? And they responded, um, and, and that's not something we've seen from the Bulls in, in recent years or even at times this season when they come into halftime very much in, in a game or maybe even in control of a game. They have that thing where they just stub their toe coming out of the gate in the third quarter. But a 17-2 you know, a, a to two run, I believe it was, uh, in, in the Bulls' favor to get things you know back on track in the third quarter. They end up winning the third quarter 40-14. to 14. And again, maybe some of that was was the tired legs of the Pelicans who were, you know, their second night of a back-to-back taking hold in the third quarter for them. But Jordan, you uh, talked about it recently. I've talked about it this season. The, the Bulls just giving up these big runs in, in a lot of games where they lose by two points, three points, four points, uh, and those just being soul-crushing runs. The Bulls this time made a big run and, and just, you know, with, with Zach and Kobe leading the way. It was a lot of fun to watch. It's impressive, and we can talk a little bit more about Zach in a minute, but Colby needed that game, man. He needed it so badly for his confidence, and I'm glad it came against... Who cares? I don't care if it came against a Pelicans team that was probably super tired from the game that they just played, what, 14 hours, 16 hours prior to that against the Rockets, which they ended up pulling out a win. Going 4-0 is no easy task over the last two weeks, and the Pelicans are also kind of changing their style too you're seeing a lot more players being incorporated that weren't into that rotation before had mentioned in pregame to you even yesterday that Steven Adams might not play a whole ton of minutes in this game because if they're winning because they're trying to weed them out towards the end of games that could have been the case even even that said Kobe needed this game I don't even care if it came against the worst team in the league he just needed to see shots go in the basket and he did and Zach did And it was a perfect night. This is a perfect night for Bulls fans. And the Bulls do... There's a lot to be said about this team when the Bulls consistently knock down their their threes. And they do it early on in games, Matt. It's pretty much a no-brain win when the Bulls are able to knock down threes in that first half. You're also right about those runs, man. I don't think they gave up a massive run to the Pelicans. Nothing over like 10 points, 10-point margin in that first half. And that was critical. Yeah, I mean, you're you're so right about Kobe needing a game like that. Um, you know, he's been struggling. He had obviously 
been asked about it by the media. Uh, it's no secret, and Kobe knows that he's been struggling, and, and Donovan has addressed it, and Donovan and Kobe's teammates have all been in his corner the whole time. But I mean, he, he was he was not even at 36% from the floor over his past five games coming into this one against New Orleans. So, like, obviously an understatement to say that he had been struggling. And, and also, as we have talked about, just kind of looking out of place in this new role where so much is being asked of him as a point guard and a floor general, and we've talked about maybe wanting to see Kobe go back to being rookie year Kobe, which is just a guy who could be a, a electric microwave scorer. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons that he had a good night is a lot of his damage was done as a guy playing off the ball and in catch and shoot scenarios. The Bulls moved the ball really well as a team last night. I mean, uh, you know, Zion Williamson even said it himself in his postgame comments, like, man, they, they were just moving the ball really well and just incredible. It was like going back and watching some tape uh, of the game this morning. The ball was moving around like hot potato. The Bulls had a season high 36 assists, which is one higher than that magic number that, you know, old Captain Dumbfuck used to talk about all the time. But, you know, the Bulls again hitting that 30 assist mark this season. But Kobe in particular not feeling like he has to do too much. And yes, to his credit, he also tallied seven assists on the night. So you love to see that. But to me, it was more about letting Kobe be Kobe. And that is being a dangerous scorer playing off the ball. Because catch-and-shoot Kobe is a lot more dangerous than trying to initiate offense Kobe. I think we need to get past this year and people will be surprised at who Kobe is. I'm not talking about like five years from now, but I'm seriously talking about next year if the Bulls... I don't think they have any plans of moving him, but I say that knock on wood at the same time. But should Kobe be actually a part of this future? I think he's stuck in this weird kind of, I don't know, lost realm of whether he should focus on being a playmaker this season or continue to do what's at his strength, and that's shooting the ball. I think he's in this weird place, and he's also, he hasn't seen a slump to this extent his shooting wise I don't think he's ever had a slump this bad over a five or a seven game stretch in college and you go back to high school so this is the first time that I think Kobe's dealt with a lot of adversity on the offensive end with his one strength so I think next year if the Bulls bring in an actual playmaker and that's not something that he has to concern himself with I think we see we see a more consistent Kobe like we did tonight and I'm not asking him to drop 30 a night but Again, like you said, it was it was great to see the ball go in the basket for Kobe last night, and hopefully it, this is just a spark, Matt. I hope this this fuels this Bulls team to identify the weaknesses that they've had in the first twenty five percent of this season and start to capitalize on those and make improvements. and And it starts with closing games and not letting teams come back late in games. Those are the two biggest weaknesses, and I think that's accounted for what half the losses of the Bulls this season and how many fucking losses last year man how many losses did the Bulls blow in the third or the fourth quarter so I'd like to see that over the next 20 to 30 percent of this season the Bulls have that capability of doing that man they really do uh you know like you said it was good to see them close they had a pretty comfortable lead for the most part against the Pelicans uh for for the fourth quarter uh the Pels threatened uh, a little run and to close the gap a couple of times I was glad to see the Bulls stave them off and not get into a you know do or die late game scenario like they did with the Wizards on Monday and like they have done as you said with so many teams and so many games this season it was good after that uh you know just magnificent third quarter that they had that they didn't blow it in the fourth quarter. Lots more to get to, Jordan. Of course, we have to talk about the juggernaut that is 
Bulls all-star to be Zach Levine. First, though, wanted to tell our listeners about our friends at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why often endure pointless, even intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the part on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and right in your pocket. RockAuto.com has everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpeting. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Best of all, prices RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much money for the exact same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck from hundreds of different manufacturers, right? Locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Uh, Jordan, um, Zach Levine, good basketball player. <laughs> I feel so bad for those that didn't... S- that didn't say Zach was going to be a star or wasn't at least willing to be patient enough to watch him develop, man. Or, you know, certain Bulls beat writers who we, whom we love who are still actively trying to trade Zach with everything that they write. I'm, I'm going to save that for another episode where maybe we have a break because I think there's something to talking a little bit about some of the stories that have come out about the Bulls of the last few years and uh, maybe it not being sort of an opinion, but being fed from from camps. I, it makes me question, man, about whether or not Zach truly wants to stay in Chicago or if he's pressing this whole winning thing, legacy, what he's going to be remembered in the NBA about. Like over the last few weeks, I've listened to a lot of national NBA podcasts for the first time and you have to talk about the Bulls. And I listened to the way that they talk and frame conversations around Zach and it makes me a little bit nervous I don't know about you it makes me nervous that for so long there's been fans here that said nah you can't win with him now nah, you can't win with him he, he's no good trade him he's never going to develop he's a one-way player all of that and then now finally we're seeing it come to fruition where he's actually developing into a star player what everybody asked him to do last year it was it was the defense and everybody bitched about that what did he do he's come back and been a positive net player for the first time in his career I mean, go back prior to that. Go back to the first year and saying, oh, he's not going to get the legs and the athleticism underneath him again. Came back, scored like crazy and won a Bulls a bunch of games in a weird season. He's done everything that the Bulls fans have asked him to do year after year, man. I'm just hoping that it hasn't completely soured on Zach and maybe Zach still believes in this organization, this team, and the route that they're going long term. Yeah, I mean, I I think Zach is is a pretty strong-willed guy, a strong-minded guy. Uh, we know uh, everything about his work ethic. It has been on display uh, for basically since day one when he came to Chicago via trade and was in the middle of rehabbing an ACL injury. And we talk about availability being one of the you know the best abilities. And you know Lowry on the shelf again, Wendell on the shelf again, Otto apparently the world's oldest twenty-seven year old on the shelf again. Uh, you know, Hutch, what's going on with him? Zach is available every night and he performs every night. So um, I, I do believe that Zach likes it in Chicago and wants to stay here and wants to win here. Um, and, and whether or not that gets done uh, and he and the Bulls come to terms on a new contract, uh, he is certainly earning max money with this performance this season. I hope they figure something out. I hope they can get the right co-star to play with him or figure out 
the, the right player whom Zach can be that player's co-star. But, man, I'll tell you what. It, it was such a tiny little thing, and I'm not sure if you saw it, but it brought me so much joy. Somebody posted it, and, and it may have actually been that, you know, uh, Arturis fan club Twitter account. Shout out to them. A video of just Zach walking down the tunnel after that, you know, huge win and a 46-point night, getting a quick dap from AK, who was standing in the tunnel, you know, suit on, mask on, looking like That's a awesome. suave boss of a motherfucker. And it was just like, it was so awesome to see AK and Zach have a moment like that. That's that's awesome, man. I didn't see that video. So that makes that I was like, wow, that's that's pretty fucking awesome. Uh, it's a lot different than uh, Zach being a cordial guy and paying for Jim Boylan's fine after he runs on the floor and screaming, right? And he gets ejected Dude, from the game. We found out that Jim was the one who leaked that to the press and that that <laughs> pissed off Zach. Oh, my God. That was one of my happiest moments and an awful, awful bull season. Uh, like, of course, Boyle is the one who leaves that. Of it, course he was. It's unbelievable, man. Uh, but again, I wouldn't blame Zach one bit if he was like, I can't wait any longer. I want to go somewhere. And he's got full control of that if he wants. In a year and a half, he'll be a free agent. He can walk wherever he wants to go in the middle of his prime and get paid bank. That being said, I would hope that he wants to win and do something for himself. He's already been this far throughout his career, and I hope the Bulls are committed to to doing everything that they can if that's the plan that they go towards is is doing everything that they can to support Zach now that he's proven year after year after year any doubt that they've had that he can be that guy. I do think Zach would benefit and he would rise another level from where his game's at now by having a player that's equal caliber or to a little bit lesser of an extent of his caliber playing alongside him every night, man. I mean, we've never seen that. It's been almost it's been almost four seasons, man, with Zach, and we haven't seen that at all here. Who's the best player Zach's ever played with? Thaddeus Young. Right. It's been this year. <laughs> um, speaking of over four years, Jordan, uh, you want to hear my latest favorite Zach Levine stat? Uh, that just, you know, all of the different ways in which we are characterizing the rare air of Zach's offensive, uh, you know, virtuoso this season because this one I saw earlier this morning from shout out to Nick Poor on Twitter at N I C K P O R R. Zach Levine this season, 28.2 points per game on 51.8% shooting from the field. The last guard in the NBA to average 28 plus per game on over 50% shooting from the field. That would be unanimous MVP Steph Curry in the 15 16 season. That's a great no set. guard has done that since the 15-16 season when Steph did it and won unanimous MVP. That's unbelievable, man. And <laughs> obviously, some context is different there. Zach Levine's team is 10-14 and 14 right now. Steph Curry was doing that as the best player on a best regular season of all time Warriors team that went 73-9. and nine. But still, that is just the latest example I have found where you look at Zach's numbers this year between his scoring, assists, rebounds, his his true shooting percentage, his 50-40-90 splits, and say, my goodness, he is really doing something that not many people in the NBA have ever done. I, I could tell over the last week or so the couple free throws he's missed, he's been pissed at himself for doing that right. because he's edging he's so close down, to 90. He's at like 88.5 or whatever right now. He's edging so close to it. Man, like points per game, he's sixth in the NBA in scoring. It's absolutely absurd. If you go just by total points, Zach has the fourth most total points in the in the league right now this year. 
I get some people have shot back at me, well, games played matter, and for a lot of teams, they've only played a certain amount of games, but still, the majority of the NBA, the best players out there have played the majority of the games, and and Zach is proving that he is he's been one of the best players in this league so far through this season. It sucks that it just hasn't accumulated to as many wins as he probably would have liked. Let me ask you this really quick. You think there's any shot now that Zach doesn't make the All-Star game after that performance last night? I mean, barring something unforeseen and tragic, I can't imagine that even if he doesn't get, you know, one of the top two spots, you know, the starter spots where he's a lock, I can't imagine him not getting the votes from the coaches around the league who have seen what he's doing. And, you know, it's unfortunate that the Eastern Conference guards category has gotten so crowded all of a sudden, um, you know, with the addition of, of Harden, but... You know, you look at Beal and Kyrie each have over 2 million votes. Harden has 1.8. Jalen Brown of the Celtics, a huge drop off to not uh, to not quite 1.1 million. And then Zach still at number five through the second returns of all-star voting at 936,000. And then there's big drop offs after him from Trey Young and then Sexton, D. Rose, you know, 300,000, 300,000. But the Eastern Conference front court, You've got, you know, KD with 4.2, Giannis with 3.2, Embiid with uh, basically 3 million flat, Tatum has 1.6, and then a huge drop-off to Jimmy Butler in fifth place at 660,000. So whereas he's fifth among Eastern Conference guards, he's also, like, pretty high up there as far as total vote-getters among all Eastern Conference players. I would be shocked if he does not get an all-star reserve spot. Yeah, I don't even care about the starting spot, man. I just want him to make the team. And, like, I don't think that there's any way. Like you said, unless something, uh, hopefully nothing happens uh, leading up to the All-Star game. But I don't, I, mean, he's, I can't he's fifth see among it. Eastern Conference guards. He is ninth among all Eastern Conference players. And I'm pretty sure an All-Star team has more than nine people on it, don't it? <laughs> It does, and like the excuse of the injuries actually can factor in here. Like if, if they, oh, they didn't win enough games. Like you get some hard ass coach that says, oh, they didn't, they haven't won enough games. It's like, you know, well, context again matters with this Bulls team more so than it ever has in this rebuild before with COVID. And like the Bulls haven't had a healthy roster the entire year. So I don't know, man. I, I I'm with you. I don't think I think that last night sealed it for Zach, and I'd have just. I'm confident he's going to continue to build on this. Man, I'm expecting Zach to drop 30 every night now. Like, that's just an expectation now at this point through 25, 30% of the season. It's it's insane well, yeah, and it's nice to have. 28.2, that's not, that's not a ludicrous assumption. It's, it, it, it's, it's refreshing. Let's put it that way, man. I want to talk a little bit more about the opposite side and uh, one player in particular, too, last night, Matt, before we get out of here. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Deposit $100, they're going to give you 50 for free. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code LOCKED ON. Today's episode of Locked On Bulls is also brought to you by 1010. 
You may have heard about this in the New York Times, InStyle Magazine, or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you all about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to make a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day this year, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. So let's talk quickly about the guy that I think was uh, in sort of a tryout last night, and that's Lonzo Ball. I'm sure AK enjoyed seeing the first half that he put up offensively. He had 19 of his 21 points in the first half, Matt, which was kind of crazy. He, I think he was nine. He had 19, six, and four at half which is insane. I know people want to point to his defense and say, well, the Bulls gave up a, you know, Bulls had a historic night shooting from the perimeter. Something to be said about that. But again, the back-to-back plays into this. And I don't know, man, I was, I was impressed with the first half. He didn't have as much scoring in the second, but seems to be a match made in heaven. If you're looking for a point guard that doesn't need to shoot the ball playing alongside Zach, what do you think? What did you think about his performance last night? Yeah, I mean, nothing about it blew me away. Nothing about it really surprised me. Um, You know, other than the fact that I am getting more evidence that Lonzo actually might have figured out how to shoot and have it be a reliable, you know, shooting stroke. Um, And and it's noticeable. You know, like I I hadn't watched a whole lot of Lonzo so far this season. Um, But, you know, just watching him for an entire game, you can tell that he has worked, you know, shot doctor, whoever, the mechanics on his shot are much better than when he was a college player and his first couple of seasons in the NBA when he had that ridiculous form. It's much more standardized shooting form now, and it's working. I mean, we were talking about his shooting splits between December, January, and this first handful of games in February on a recent episode, and he he was knocking them down, four of ten from downtown, uh, and a perfect five of five at the free throw line. That is certainly encouraging. You also saw his abilities as a playmaker, you know, running pick and roll stuff with Zion to perfection, making some really nice cross court passes and things of that nature. I don't disagree that he would be a good fit with Zach Levine. You mentioned the defense. I've always thought that the Lonzo quality, maybe even above average defender label has kind of been like unjustified just because I think some people see, oh, he's a six foot six point guard. You love that length in your defensive backcourt. You know, your, your perimeter defense can do wonders with a guy that size at the point guard position. I get that. But as far as like actual defensive skill set, I think Lonzo's like, meh, he's not that great. So those, you know, calling for this Lonzo trade because they say he could fit well with Zach. He's the playmaker this team needs, and he's a plus guy. He's a two-way player. He's a plus guy on the defensive end. I only go along with, like, 60% of that uh, frame of mind. But all in all, it was a solid game from him. Nothing otherworldly. If he's the guy that AK and Eversley think they need, then fine. 
I will be okay with that. Go get him. And hopefully you don't have to break the, break the bank to get him. But, you know, no, nothing blew my mind yesterday. Defense is all in, a, in three quarters of it's an effort thing, man. It's the same thing that people wanted to rag Zach for is like, it doesn't seem like it seems like he takes, takes plays off on the defensive end. And this is, I'm talking a couple of years ago. I'm not talking about this year, uh, but just seems kind of space had from what I've listened to and from kind of what I've watched, it just seems like Lonzo might take plays, multiple plays off on the defensive end. When he wants to bust his ass on defense, man, he's a great guard. I'm looking at his, just a few of his advanced defensive numbers. This has actually been his worst defensive rated year so far, four years into the NBA. I also attributed that to Look at his teammates around him. Who's the best defender on that, that Pelicans team. They don't have great defense. They're, Number one, they're the number one team right now in the league in giving up three-point attempts to opponents, and opponents are shooting 39.5%, and that was before the Bulls game last night. I'm not sure what it's changed to now. I'm sure it's over 40 by a lot, but yeah, the perimeter defense alongside him has been bad, and I think he's, to his detriment, not having Drew Holiday next to him has hurt him this year defensively, but I think maybe it's opened up a little th- a little bit more of consistency for him to find his shot and be able to take it when he wants it. I'm okay with being able to watch some of that needed to be developed if the Bulls decide to pull the trigger on him either before the trade deadline or this summer, man. He's only 23 like we've talked about. Yeah, I mean, there's there's certainly still time for him to improve in, in that element of his game and, and in all elements and facets of his game. Um, I I am curious, you know, just after watching that game and just seeing all of Bulls Twitter, which is so polarized on Lonzo, right? I feel like, and and I feel like it's one of a million examples of Bulls fans being polarized uh, as far as their opinions of a certain player or a different or a specific, you know, plan of attack for for what's next for this franchise. People are either all on board the let's get Lonzo trade or they are completely off it. I feel like I am one of a few people who's just kind of in the middle right now. That's like, yeah, like, okay, if you want to get Lonzo and try to make that your point guard of the future, like, okay, fine. Hopefully you don't have to give up too much to get him. Maybe try and sign him as a a restricted free agent instead of trading for him right now. But I don't I, I don't love the guy. I don't hate the guy. But I feel like I'm alone in that. I feel like most Bulls fans either love Lonzo and want him here or don't like Lonzo and don't want him here. Um, that being said, again, I, I'm putting my faith in this new front office to to make the right calls. So if they want to get Lonzo, great. Go get Lonzo. Um, and, uh, you know, the other element to it is I just wonder where most of the smoke is coming from because there's a lot of smoke around Lonzo's name right now, and that smoke has wafted over to Chicago in particular. There's a reason we were all jacked up to watch this game last night, and everybody you know, wearing Bulls gear had a keen eye and a close eye on a player on the other team. But is it because the Pelicans are desperate to move him because they want to get more minutes for these up-and-comers like Alexander Walker or Kyra Lewis, who I thought had a pretty solid game off the bench himself last night? In in 24 minutes, he was 5 of 7. Uh, you know, added four assists to his 14 points. Like, I get it. From the Pelicans' standpoint, I get it. Uh, but I'm just curious how closely that AK and Eversley were watching Lonzo Ball last night. I think it says more about the direction for them than anything else. Like, if they don't go after somebody, if they don't go after Lonzo or somebody like Lonzo, who's still a young player, maybe he's bounced around from a couple different teams, but you see potential there, and maybe at a lower cost than a star would would be, 
then I think the other way that maybe fans are more leaning towards is they go for an upgrade instead of trying to build this on their own, you know? I think doing what they decide at the point guard position will tell a lot about the path that they're taking long term, I think. I think you're completely justified if you're somebody out there who's sitting and saying, screw that, don't trade for Lonzo, use the cap space you have this summer and chase one of those tier two or tier three point guards, even if it's just for a year or two years, short term while Zach's here. Upgrade, don't try to develop and continue down the path, that path. I'm okay if you're on the flip side and say, nah, don't spend all, don't push all your chips in the middle of the table in a weird offseason. Maybe see if you can get Lonzo to sign a long-term deal. See if he can work to develop him. Billy Donovan's been very successful with point guards. You got a Hall of Fame point guard sitting on the bench. So, I don't know. I can see both paths, man. And so I can see why you're kind of stuck in the middle. I'm honestly okay with either decision that they make. If they decide to want to go push for it now and they see the potential in Zach too, I'm cool with that. Make the right choice there. I'm cool if you want to go with a young point guard that's bounced around a couple different places, get him at a lower cost, think you can develop him. I'm totally cool with that. Just make the right decision, whatever you make. Yeah, I'm with you on that, man. Um, And before we get out of here, I know, of course, today's episode was going to be all about the insane night from Zach and Kobe. And then also, you know, our our thoughts on on Lonzo with all of these trade rumors swirling around. But got to give a quick shout out to P-Dub, man. He he had kind of an underwhelming night on the offensive end. But I mean, we have seen this kid already at 19 years of age, youngest player in the NBA, hold his own against some of the most offensively dominant and versatile players, some of the toughest guards, not position, but, you know, being asked to guard player, one of the toughest guards in the NBA. Out of the gate as a rookie, LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis. Uh, And uh, on that list added last night was some pretty impressive defensive moments against Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. Blocks, steals, swipes, great recovery defense uh, and rim protection, getting his hands in passing lanes. I, I mean, I, I watched P-Dub on the defensive end last night and continued to just drool all over my lap. P-Dub! He's been impressive, man. I, I've been a fan. I also got to ask you, too. <laughs> were you the... I know you weren't the only one, but were you surprised to hear Denzel Valentine's name being announced in the starting lineup? I think Denzel was even surprised by it. He didn't know he was starting. He wasn't supposed to start. Uh, The story goes, I guess, that Donovan just had a miscommunication with somebody. He's not the one that tells uh, Tim Sinclair, who's the PA announcer there, who's officially starting. It just gets relayed. And I guess I guess he thought somebody asked him about the inactives and he said, yeah, yeah, the inactives are, are the same. And they really asked the starters, and of course Denzel started last game, so they had to go out there with him. And of course right. Brandon Ingram hits a is a great shot over him. Um, and Donovan but, after the game was like, "Oh yeah, that was a mistake. I actually <laughs> meant to start Temple." <laughs> it worked out in the end. The Bulls had a historic shooting night with Denzel in the starting lineup on accident. So uh, maybe we should accidentally start some more guys see if we continue that good luck. It, yeah, it was nice. But, yeah, I mean, you go back and look at minutes. Like, yeah, Denzel started. He played 23. Garrett Temple had 36 minutes off the bench. So pretty much a starting night for, for Temple. We'll see where Donovan goes uh, on Friday night. 
um, against the Clippers as far as his rotation and his starting unit. Also nice to see Garrett Temple get a little bit out of his shooting slump recently. You know, he started this season hot from downtown and then fell off a cliff. Like, I, th- I think his three-point shooting was in, like, the high teens over his last eight or nine games. He knocked down two of his three three-point attempts last night, so that's good to see. Absolutely. We've got the Clippers tomorrow. Uh, so we'll preview that as well as maybe take some extra mailbag questions if you have. Anything else that pops up to kind of wrap up the week. But you can hit us up at 331-979-1369. Your text messages, your voicemails, anything you got for us at 331-979-1369. We're on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked on Bulls. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful night. Be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. Thanks a lot.